garbage, blizzard garbage, blizzard garbage. Meanwhile, on the moon. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number eight. It's September 2nd, 2020. And I'm Abel Kirby. I'm Cold Acid. And how are you doing today, Cold? Uh, not too bad. Found out something interesting last night. Indeed. Yeah, so I was listening to Abs in a Six-Pack, their Eight. first time ever doing a live recording. I believe it was ABS uh, in a Six-Pack. Was, was it the, the official? ABS. Uh, it looks like Abs in a Six-Pack. <laughs> I'm looking at their art. Uh, there was, uh, was no agenda. Kept dude with, it. His, uh, with his gut out and holding the Six-Pack. Is it ABS? It's abs. I'm pretty damn sure it's I, abs. I'm pulling your leg. I'll have to check with the receipt sitter, but I'm pretty damn sure. <laughs> anyway, so let let me in. Let me let you in on a secret. Uh huh. What kind of secret is this? Neil has been Alex Jones all along. <laughs> and this is evidenced by by him doing an impersonation of Alex <laughs> Jones yesterday on the episode they were recording. Jeez. Now that's something we should clip, but if we did yeah. that, we turned into a podcast that was about other podcasts. Wouldn't mind getting a clip of Still, uh, of something like that though, so we could play it. When that episode goes up, man, definitely got to clip some of that. Yeah, there's I, some good stuff on uh, on the fabulous Bemrose brothers as well. <laughs> since there was no grumpy old Ben's on Monday this week. Yeah, I had I between that and Hog Story, I was turning podcasts off because I was trying to eat. Well, I was uh, over lunch, and so I turned on the Bemrose Brothers, and they're talking about placentas. And so I'm like, oh, this doesn't go well with uh, with uh, with my lunch. And so I clicked it off. I switched it over to the hog story, and they were talking about some guy pulling giant boogers out of his nose and eating them. So <laughs> turn that off, too. Bad timing, man. Bad timing. Yeah, it was not the right uh, scenario to be listening. And meanwhile, they, I think it was Carolyn described, it was like a big drumstick or something. I looked down, I was like, wow, I guess I, I'm eating chicken right now, so it doesn't, it's a little too real. So I, I clicked those off. I haven't gone back to them yet. Oh, well, you should. Yeah. How'd the Bemrose thing Speaking turn out? Carolyn. Speaking of Carolyn, you know she's got a new drum machine? No, I did not. Yeah, well, there was a little bit of talk about it. I'm not sure if it was during or after the show they did with uh, with Newsbaum, but <clears throat> she's got a Roland TR-8S drum machine, and she actually started using it on Monday's show to play clips as well. Jeez, TRS-8. Um, TR-8S. TR-8S. No, I don't think that's the same one I have. Is it a oh, newer you've got one? A machine. Well, I've, I've got a couple. Um... I don't know. I, I don't want to go over there and look at it right now, but it's, I do own a drum machine uh, drum machine that's kind of like that. I think it is. No, that's oh, cool. So you what you load samples on it and then play it with the pads. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's like that's your analog podcasting uh, machine. Well, I guess it's digital, right? But the uh, the no computer podcast that we could be doing would be uh, we need hardware sample uh, samplers and hardware recorders. We could do it all without Foot Windows. Pads. Now, what was that? Foot pedals could do all sorts of effect with foot with foot pedals. Oh yeah, you could be you could have uh, <laughs> you have clips on the floor like an art organ. You could have uh, you know like those old organs we were talking about. What if instead of having uh, you know ranks and uh, all the organ stops, instead of making sounds, they could be like playing clips or you know you could it could be like a medieval bunch of guys where it's like you pull you uh, you hit the key and it's like they slap a guy and he screams. 
(laughs) 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 We'll put on the peasant stop and it's just someone hits him. Ah! (laughs) Help help, I'm being repressed! (laughs) Yeah, it's something out of Mel Brooks. What was that? Uh, uh, No, no, I'm sorry, that was Monty Python. Mel Brooks was uh, Count de Money. He goes, uh, Sir, the peasants are revolting. What? My subjects love me! And he's skeet shooting uh, peasants in France. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Oh, yeah. So he says. Yes, indeed. Did you want to bring up anything more about organs? Or I was trying to lead you in with a segue because you put on Furby organs on your uh, your rundown. Yes. Spoil- spoil- spoiler. Spoiler. We have a rundown. About the organs. Yeah. We played that after the show, even. We think we played some clips of it, but it didn't make it to the yeah, you played a episode. few clips. And so I actually went, looked it up. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes for tonight. And yeah, just like, holy crap, that's insane and haunting. <laughs> it's creepy, too. The the thing that well, got me... by haunting, but yeah. The, like, wow, what, what was going through this guy's <laughs> head? He, and he has got, like, he's got, like, a bloody notebook of, like, all the plans for this thing and everything. Like, <laughs> at least he was putting together a Furby organ instead of taking apart people's bodies. The, I was just... That, that, like, that notebook, looking at that in the video, that's, like, some serial killer level shit. Yeah. The th- one of the things that did creep me about out about it was that he didn't lobotomize them so when they get <laughs> it sounds terrible that when he turns it on they all wake up and they're trying to talk to each other he has to flip a switch to make them all shut up so it's like they're yeah. still alive and he's just controlling their brain yeah it's like he's wow <laughs> this is this is something you'd expect in a horror film not in some british guy's garage <laughs> no i had a a bit i used to <sighs> I used to look at uh, circuit bending, I think is what they called it, uh, where they do things. It's basically that. It's making music out of the the classic one is the speaking spell, where you get a speaking spell, and it's like, well, you jump these leads over, and you put a capacitor here, and suddenly you have um, uh, all these weird speaking demon sounds come out of it. You don't need to do anything with that. <laughs> speaking spells a horror device to begin with, <laughs> especially when the batteries start running down. Jesus Christ. Nightmares forever. Yeah. They you can midiify them, so like put a MIDI keyboard that so when you hit a key it makes the different phonemes. They can put knobs on them that make them cycle and repeat and put them in feedback loops so they just kind of they make these wild noises. Enough, enough. I'm gonna freak out, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's something we always talked about doing when I was in the uh, tech school. We got uh we got a little ways. We got um, Sega Genesis controller rigged up so that you could use it in uh, as a controller for circuits. That was a little more involved than, than we thought. Uh, you know, you think, oh, it's a it's an actually a nine pin D sub uh, on the Sega Genesis, so you know it fits in like a serial port or whatever. But it's not the the pinout's wrong. Um, it's not like it's a serial device. But you can use the standard connector anyway. But to get, yeah. just like to have, oh, I want to push the A button, or I want to pick a direction and have a light light up, it's a little more complicated because of the way they multiplexed everything on there. So you have to have like a clock set up that reads the state of the button every so often and then latches it. Because um, they multiplexed all the, the different, uh, you know, button states onto the the same lines. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. The thing dates back to 
dates back to Atari controllers, actually. Oh, yeah. Or, um, like the PC, with it, my, my experience was the PC joysticks we play X-Wing with that plug in the MIDI port on your computer. Oh, no, this is, uh, this is something, uh, like, not like that. Those control, those controllers, like, Sega actually copied, uh, a lot of the electrical specs for them for doing the controllers for the, uh, Master System. Mm-hmm. And then Genesis controllers were just a continuation from that. It was this Atari figured it out and everyone copied him? Something like More that? More or less. Yeah. But we're going back to, like, Atari's ancient, like, 2600, 5200 era systems, right? We're not talking, we're not talking about, like, the, the 1632-bit stuff they did after Jack Tramiel took over the company. You should really get a little bit of a retro rundown one day and just make a, a point to go in because it sounds like you know you know way, way more about this stuff than i do and so we should come up with a way to just get you to talk about the history of this stuff for uh i don't know a couple minutes one day put that on there's the a list reason i've always list. wanted to do a retro tech show on grumpy old bens mm. yeah well they didn't uh we already mentioned they didn't have that show there but i'm waiting for the next one to see what they uh See how things turn out. I sh- I sent you a yeah. clip. I did a little. Uh, I did a little bit of a song for him. Uh, I don't know. They could do whatever they want with it. They, they don't have to play it on the show. But I did it out of love for you. Oh. Insert name here. I should do both for you, Ryan. For you, O'Neill. <laughs> now watch out! Watch out! I don't think uh, Dame Bemrose will get jealous, but I don't know about <laughs> No, that was a. It was fun, though, because I got some audio, uh, uh, my audio, uh, I don't want to say muscles, because that makes me sound like I have muscles, you know, audio, uh, actual uh, standing, but I got my uh, my atrophied audio limbs working, and uh, actually recorded some rock and roll. It's 30 seconds worth over uh, over the last uh, break, so. That was fun. I, I completely missed that. Angle. Yeah. I missed, uh, you know... Because I've been doing stuff for the show uh, where it's like music that sounds like you would come up with you if you're in like a catatonic dream or something. It's like just slow synth stuff. And so to get back into, hey, yeah, it's rock and roll, it's drum kits, and it's, uh, you know, guitar riffs and stuff. Makes me want to get back in, uh, I don't know, join a band or play a gig or something. Not that there's any gigs to be had right now. Oh, no, not with COVID. Yeah. Oh, there's one guy playing at a local, uh, I shouldn't say his name because that'll out me for exactly where I am, but there's a show coming up, and it's the first poster I saw for a concert um, coming up. What's today? The second. So it's coming up. Oh, it's not next week. It's the week after. So I'm actually going to go to that. It's a, it's a small outdoor show locally, and it's some guy I've never heard of, like a local act, but they booked them, and it's like a, they have a poster, so it's, I'm, I'm actually seriously looking forward to something right now, so that's fun. And maybe when that happens, I'll have a report maybe about uh, music and how things were there. And maybe that'll be about as far as we dip into COVID. Yeah. I don't mind if it's tangentially related. Dip into you know. it uh, directly, but yeah, stuff that's still going on despite it. That's pretty decent content. Yeah. Well, you know, AMC Theaters is opening. Uh, AMC Theaters is opening um, all its theaters. Right now in Maryland, we went into phase three of the opening as of, or we will as of Friday, which is... What's that, the 4th, I think? Or no, I think it was the 8th. I think it was a week from Tuesday. Uh, but it's coming up very soon. Uh, and yeah. that means they're allowing movie theaters to be open 
I'm gonna go see a movie, but I don't know what's the uh, the stuff I would usually see is um, you know the special event kind of stuff. And I looked at the list to see what they're showing, and for the entire month of September, it's all really um, it's like the surefire stuff they know they can put up on a screen and people will come and see. So it's like they're showing Airplane, they're showing The Breakfast Club, they're showing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, dirty dancing stuff like that stuff that you know they, they know they can at least fill some seats with so there's nothing new coming out yeah well it's not like they can fill all the seats these days anyway yeah there was one movie that i was looking forward to fat i i think fathom events was going to show it but i'm not sure if it was a different uh group organizing it but they were going to have uh the new made in abyss movie uh actually that was supposed to premiere i think in april and there's still posters around saying, hey, see the American premiere have made it. It, it premiered in um, Japan in Ju uh, January, I think. And so people have seen it. Um, and then it had some showings, I think, in Hong Kong or was it Taiwan? I can't remember. Some in some other other locations. But then the uh, the North American premiere was supposed to be in uh, April. I forget what I think I put it in my notes or something. But that sure didn't happen. April 13. Yeah, that was it. But, day after my birthday yeah it's um something i'm looking forward to that was a a movie i was waiting for um i i mentioned briefly that made in abyss was the only manga i was really reading right now and uh it kind of took a while uh, for me to get on board with it um i've been aware of it for a while and i didn't quite get into uh reading it until i don't know probably a couple maybe six months ago or so but then as soon as I got into it, I'm like, ah, I got to read a volume. <laughs> Every time I finish one, I got to order the next one. And uh, it's a pretty, uh, defied my expectations for what it, what I thought the, the story was about. Did you uh, ever watch Made in Abyss or read any of the manga? No, I've just seen little clips here and there of the show. Yeah. Well, the show was good, too. I even got the, uh, after I got a couple volumes in, I, I found out that the, the first season of the anime covered so many volumes, and I figured I had already read them, so I said, hey, I should just see that and see how it was adapted. And that was pretty good, too. The uh, premise is they're basically spelunking. It's these two kids spelunking to the bottom of a bottomless pit, and uh, fear and despair and all sorts of nasty stuff happens along the way. And so it's a drama in some senses, and it's an action show in some others, but it's a very episodic, you know, everything matters You'll come in and there'll be a set of characters for this kind of area of the pit, and then they'll move down to the next layer, and there'll be a new set of characters. So it's very... Um, it, it has a sense of progress to it that I like. It doesn't feel like it's stagnating, like they're just stuck in one place. Meanwhile, it's freaking brutal, too. I mean, watching the uh, the anime was... Has some, there's just some scenes in there that's just kind of the, a little more violent than you'd expect. Yeah, something that has, like cute looking characters like them and the and the shit that they face <laughs> yeah. is from the clips that I've seen. It's like whoa. Yeah. Mood whiplash. It's like we have a we have the the better part of this episode is is dedicated to uh the one of the main characters, Reg, is has to amputate one of her uh his uh Rico's arm. And he's should I amputate it or not? Well if I don't she's gonna you know and, and then they're gonna have to show on screen him trying to cut her arm off. It's like Ey. Meanwhile, they're, you know, these kids who escape from the orphanage. Yeah. It's a, I'd recommend that one uh, for anyone who's looking for something. The uh, the anime is actually 
I think it's only 13 if episodes like or something. If you Brave of the Fireflies, you'll love Made in Abyss. <laughs> it's not that depressing. Uh, it, it has a heart to it. Um, enough. Grave of the Fireflies is really just a... I mean, it was a good movie, but it was like, hey, watch these two kids die. Okay. Or watch yeah, this. It, I mean, it was essential. It's like some of those visual novels out there. It was made for the people watching it to cry. Oh, you mean key visual novels? Yeah. <laughs> Not to name any names. Yeah. <laughs> it was Clannad and uh, Air and Canon. Was Air? I think Air was like that too, yeah. Yeah, there was a, certainly a bunch of them back in, when I was reading VNs, I haven't gotten into one in uh, a couple months, but I uh, should go back and see what's coming out. There was one series that I, I read the first one of, uh, it was, you know, it's a trilogy of visual novels, uh, and it was, oh geez, it was, uh, what was it called, The Magical Clockwork or something like that, I can't even remember the name in English, uh, well, it doesn't matter. They had a trilogy for it uh, that's already been released, and so the first one got translated into English. The second one's due to be released sometime, but the publisher's not saying when, so it's another one of these on their coming soon list with no uh, delivery date on it. So just sitting here waiting for the next, next chapter of the story to come out. You ever read the visual novel Swan Song? Oh, geez. Yeah. Um that was a depressing one, too. That was the one with the earthquake and the... That was the one where I, I remember distinctly feeling bad when I read it uh, because I had installed it. I said, oh, the cover art has a naked girl on it. Okay, I know what's going on here. And then you find out the... Well, you find out something about the girl uh, pretty early on in there. So, wow, now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. That and was... And then uh, you find out like, all the other things going on. Like, it's it's not just an earthquake. It's like... The whole place is like completely shut off from the rest of the world. There's like no, not even radio communication with the rest of the world. Like everything else is just gone, sort of thing. And yeah, and people like the different ways that they're dealing with it. The, like wow, it was it was pretty heavy. I remember. I actually enjoyed of that. Parts of it I remember the most were uh, just the, when they're in the camp trying to figure out, you know, it's the refugees camp and they're all self-organizing, trying to figure out what's really going on. And It was just uh, this complete sense of unease with everyone, everything going on there, like anything could happen. And, you know, that's that's where the swan song really worked was you weren't really sure it was going to happen. And, and, and nobody you know, they really would, trusted each other. They were like... I remember they were going to go out and uh, I think they were scavenging for food or something. It was like in the winter section of the of the story. So they're out looking for uh, what story. What was that? It was like like the whole thing was like wintertime. Yeah, um, you're right. It started at like Christmas or something now that you mention it. But I remember they were out doing something. And I remember reading and saying, wow, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm on a bad end or a good end. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, and you you wouldn't know you're on a bad end until like an hour of reading after a choice. Yeah, they really fleshed out every possible ending that they gave you. Yeah, that's a classic. I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it. Before Katawa Shoujo was the one that had the biggest uh, the biggest impact on me. Wow, I I didn't know it was translated before Katawa Shoujo. I read it after. I read it a little bit later on then. Because I think I, 
I think, uh, well, when Katawa Shoujo came out, there was, oh, maybe I read it before, because uh, somewhere between Act 1 and uh, when the full game came out for KS. Yeah. It would have been in that period for me, too. I'm saying, like, before full chaos came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, speaking of old stuff, uh, I saw the uh, the news on Twitter. There's a yep. new Haruhi Suzumiya uh, novel coming out, and I have the... Actually, put the link in my show notes so we can put in we can put it in the show's show notes. But uh, they had a press release um, just the other day, and they're going to have a new book coming out on November twenty fifth. And the best news is they're going to have a simultaneous release in English. Oh, so nice! It sounds like the book's actually coming out the same day. Uh, I don't know if it'll be in bookstores if bookstores are open or not. Uh, I haven't been to one in a while, honestly. I get much all my books through Amazon these days anyways. But there is one one question uh, that is yet to be answered. Uh, maybe someone else has figured this out. Maybe you know. Which cover is the English uh, language version going to have? Is it going to have the solid color or is it going to match the Japanese cover? Because honestly, I, we talked about the color, uh, the, the jackets for the Haruhi books before. And I always liked them. I thought they were pretty handsome uh, books. It was a nice. It was a nice design. I do like the character uh, covers that uh, that most books do have, especially when brought over. But yeah, the des- the design where it's like the solid color with like a, I guess a kind of glossy symbol embossed on it. Not yeah. really embossed, right? Well, I have a bookshelf full the of covers. The covers are are mostly matte, and then there's like this. There's like a glossy kind of symbol in the middle of the front mm-hmm. cover. That's what I remember. I've got all the other ones on my bookshelf, and I think it'd be a shame if I had like one, you know, all of them had the same cover, and I almost had a complete set, and they decided to release the last book without that version of the cover, so I couldn't buy it. That would be annoying to yeah, me. Yeah, so. would be, uh, that my, would be like I start, triggering yeah. the, uh, the OCD, mm. right, sort of thing. Yeah, it's called uh, The Intuition of Haruhi Suzumiya. That's all the information I have about it. I haven't seen a a, uh, a statement on or a synopsis of the plot or what's supposed to happen or, or any other details. Just it exists. So I thought that was fun. I'm looking forward to it. There's another thing to look forward to. I wonder if they're going to animate more of the story. <laughs> Maybe they'll take the first chapter and animate it ten times. <laughs> it's- well, they've only like they they've did. only done like what the first the first four books or so. They did up to disappearance. Disappearance was the last thing they did. But one of those, yeah. like the second season, had the infamous endless eight episodes. Did you watch those? Yeah. I I watched yeah. all eight of the endless eight like some sucker man. I was waiting for something to happen. I was on the edge hey, of my seat. Did have its own animation. It's not like they. It's not like they just like cut and pasted the. The cells from one to ah, the next. That's what everyone always says. It doesn't excuse the fact they made the same episode, literally the same episode, eight times in a row. Actually, it may make it worse. It is definitely some top-tier trolling that they pulled. So, so uh, for people who don't know, I should we should explain this, that this, Haruhi Suzumiya was an anime series. It was incredibly popular. I, I can talk about it on the show often enough. But the season two of it had eight episodes in a row called The Endless Eight. And in the book... The main character, Kian, gets stuck in a time loop where he relives the same days 
Um, I forget how long it was a day or it's like a day and a half or something like that. He's basically Groundhog Day, but everything's the same. It's unlike um, Groundhog Day where uh, was it Bill Murray remembers everything that happened and he's trying to get out of it, or uh, you know that Tom Cruise movie where he remembers after the time loop. No one remembers anything, and so literally the same thing plays out eight times in a row with no substantial changes to the plot. The changes are little things like props are slightly different. I think they like there's a part where they all go to the pool, and I think every episode someone has a different uh, bikini on or something like it's just a different color, and that's how you tell the episodes apart because there's literally nothing else to distinguish them until I think the la the very end of the last episode they wake up, but it was absolutely maddening especially when this is coming out in real time so you have an episode a week for two months where nothing happens it was for one of the most popular shows it was insane it, it was funny a troll thing too is that they didn't even really go through all those all that many loops in the in the story they gave you a total count at the end of it how many times they went through them but that but the story itself uh there's only like two or three loop tellings in the in the short story in that volume of the of the Hari Suzumiya novels. Yeah. And I think so he, they he actually animated more of it than there was actually written story for it. And you thought making the Hobbit too many movies was bad. You thought uh the Hunger Games uh, where they broke it into four movies instead of three was bad. This is they took one it was like a chapter, and they turned it into eight episodes. Well, it was like uh, it was like one short story, maybe about a fifth of that volume, I think. Yeah. Oh well, I'm still looking forward to the uh, the book, and if they did another uh, anime series, that would be up their alley. But I don't know what's going to happen now that uh, what's what's happening with the Kyoto Animation properties these days, because Kyoto Animation famously. Uh, was the the whole studio was a arson victim? They uh, they burned the place down and a bunch of people died. And uh, as far as I know, the the they had an animation school that was attached to it. And so Kyoto Animation, the studio that did all the TV stuff and movies and, and things like that, commercial animation, would I thought that closed, but they had a school where they would tutor students in animation and art students and things like that. And that was still going on. Um, have you heard anything about? Uh, Kyoto Animation. That's the last I heard about the whole story myself. No, I not that much. I heard that they are are like restarting and such Un but, under the uh, name Kyoto Animation. Hmm. Under the same name though, the same imprint and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Still Kyoto Animation. Hmm. Yeah. That whole that whole scenario was just a huge bummer. You know, because they were. Probably the the A triple A uh, producer at the time. They were making the, I think they were making some of the highest budget shows, and they were they had the fans' attention. A lot of people liked everything they were doing. They made beautiful shows too. They had uh, some of the highest quality uh, art inside them, or you know, high budget high budget animation. I wouldn't say highest <laughs> quality art because that's so that's a way to get people to hate you. Okay, so the next show that they are doing is supposed to come out next year mm -hmm. and is a second season to Dragon Maid. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I didn't watch Dragon Maid they, season they did one. Release but... a, they are releasing a movie uh, uh, this month, actually. 
Violet Evergarden, the movie, is supposed to come out on the 18th. I thought that came out um, last year. No, that was a different one. It's a different Violent Evergarden movie? Okay. Yeah. I missed seeing it in the... That was one I missed uh, in the theater, so... I didn't even get to see the last one. Yeah, so right now, it looks like they've got... Violet Evergarden, the movie, coming out in September. They've got, uh, next year, uh, The Dragon Maid Season 2, and a untitled film based on Free. The, so, <laughs> the, all the those swim, people uh, who, like their, uh, who like their almost naked teenage boys, well, yeah. we know you're going to be next year. That was... Um... One I didn't watch, but I remember it being around. I remember those panels. They would have free panels at the... And it was it's free exclamation point is the name of the title of the show. And it's yeah, the, and uh, oh God, the fangirls yeah, yeah. that you'd see in... Some of them, okay, sure, they're like they're like teenage girls. Okay, that's, fu- that's fair. And then you've got like this jump in age to middle-aged women. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's... Wow. Well. I don't know. I'm not going to tell someone don't watch don't watch this anime because it's uh, I'm sorry. I talked over you and you Skype garbled everything you were saying. Yeah. Well, I said, yeah, you had teenagers, but there wasn't much for like the mid 20s through 30s in the demographics there. At least that I saw at conventions. Yeah. Well, there's some anime to look forward to. I haven't been watching much of uh, of our shows at all. I've been I've still been on this high dive. Uh, thing because i well i guess i got the trial so i want to use it up i guess but i've been going through all the uh some shows i used to watch uh and i had watched you know a decade ago and uh when it came out and picking up an episode here or there and going oh i remember that that's fun and watching things dubbed that i that i used to uh that i watched subtitled and i found out one of them uh had it was demon king daimo which was uh kind of action fantasy i don't know it's etchy show it was hard to describe um <laughs> comedy you know it's it's like everything rolled into one it didn't know really what it was um but i watched it when it came out mostly because i liked the theme song so much but the so i was watching the english dub and i started hearing voices i recognized not the the normal time when people are uh, i'm walking around and i hear voices these were uh voices from ghost stories and it turns out they had a bunch of the cast from uh, the Ghost Stories, the infamous Ghost Stories ADV dub, doing uh, major characters inside uh, inside uh, Demon King Daimo. So now I have to watch more of it. <laughs> they had Hillary Hags even in it. She uh, she did. Um... Oh God, I can't remember her character name inside. Uh... See, I remember the actress name. I can't remember her character name in Ghost Stories. They had Greg Ayers was in there too. I think he played Leo. Leo, Leo. <laughs> Yeah, so it's fun. It's cool to see that they're still getting work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also saw... There's one I haven't watched yet that I saw on there. I always had this written down uh, as one of the worst animes I've ever seen. And it was called Akikan. And I can't remember if we talked about this before. It sounds familiar. It's not something I've ever heard from watching or looking at anime lists or anything so it must have been something you mentioned well let me see if i can jog your memory uh it's uh i, I would have mentioned it a while ago i've been on the, i've been on the Akikan tip for a while uh, it's a you know how they have the personification animes where so oh, here's an anime where every uh, girl represents a gun or a boat or an airplane or something like that and this yes. this time 
they represent cans, like soda cans and different flavors of soda. And so there's the sports drink girl. There's the uh, uh, regular soda. Uh, I don't know. There's a melon soda character who's the main. Uh, Marin is her name. I think she's a... And they live inside soda cans. And there's a war between aluminum cans and steel cans is the premise. And so the steel cans and the aluminum cans have to fight each other. And it's so convoluted. It's just one of these off-the-wall, uh, like, ridiculous premises, which usually I appreciate in anime, but this one just sucked. This was painful to watch uh. every, in every way. And so I, uh, I saw it pop up on a high dive. Now I've got to go punish myself and watch an episode of it and try and remember just how bad it was. Yeah. yeah. There's something else that you'd you'd uh, told me about earlier, or at least included in a list for me. Uh, you mentioned about Crunchyroll removing a whole bunch of anime in July. Oh yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me. I forget about that. There was a uh, news article from July uh, that was just discussing the licensing changes between Crunchyroll and uh, uh, Sentai Filmworks. And they had, like you said, it was 77 titles, and they had a list of them. Uh, that's basically the entirety of the article was, hey, here's all the stuff that's not on Crunchyroll anymore. And this sort of stuff happens all the time. You know, Netflix shuffles movies in and out depending on what they can uh, make an agreement for to get for a, a lower rate. So they'll shuffle things out and try and get new content. And um, it seemed like... A lot of stuff got wiped all at once from Crunchyroll, especially w when you consider something like Netflix. Seems like it has a lot of movies on it, at least when I subscribe to it. You know, there's not a ton. Like, there's a lot of anime out there, but then when you talk about anime that's actually has an English license, um, the the field gets somewhat limited. Um, especially if you're talking about dubbed stuff too. It's you know, the the catalog isn't as ginormous as uh, you know regular movies, you know, live action uh, movies. But one yeah, of the things I thought was produce dub or a sub then a dub because all you have to do is pay some translators. One of the things that uh, I noticed was most of the stuff that got bumped out of Sentai Filmworks is the crap that we've been talking that I've been bringing up from High Dive. So they they uh, got rid of Cross Ange, they got rid of um, Flip Flappers, which was on High Dive, and a couple other shows uh, that. Uh, it seemed like they got cut out of uh, out of Crunchyroll, and I presume they they went on to High Dive right about the same time. So I'm waiting to see if uh, the um, eventually after I was gonna I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the uh, Made in Abyss movie because Sentai Filmworks I believe has the license for it, though I don't know if they're showing it in the theaters directly or not. But they had the license, so I was gonna see if it eventually shows up on High Dive. Because they have, I think they have Made in Abyss on there right now too. So do you think that uh, do you think that a lot of these uh, titles no longer available? It's out of wokeness, and High Dive just picked them up when they could, or mm. do you think there's some sort of like? I think High Dive made a on? what? I I think that High Dive made a better offer, and they branded their platform as the uncensored. You know, it's it's right in the name, and so the stuff when we were talking about it, it seemed like High Dive was curating basically shit that I would want to watch and Crunchyroll like they don't want to have Queen's Blade on Crunchyroll it seems like they want to have um, you know really PG kind of uh, 
safer content, you know, stuff that's not going to be transgressive in any way. It's not going to be contentious. And so things like CrossAge, they probably don't miss at all. And they're probably not willing to spend a lot of money to save it. And so I don't think that it was, this is me just reading the tea leaves here, but I don't think it was out of wokeness. I think it was just a side effect. Crunchyroll doesn't see these shows as valuable to them. And High Dive says, hey, this is, we're going to build a market around this uh, segment that Crunchyroll doesn't care about, is what I'm hoping anyway. Who knows if that's true or not. And of course, attributing human emotions and stuff to corporations is always a bad idea. So... But we do it anyway. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I mean, when you think about how Crunchyroll got its start, I mean, pirate streaming. Yeah. And then now they're <laughs> being like, they're like keeping their assholes clean as possible sort of thing. Like not even allowing like, like not even trying to keep any shows that are potentially naughty. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's a famous situation too, you know, where... It, it it happened with a bunch of other things like, um, oh, geez, was it Rhapsody? They had some music streaming services that went, uh, they, they got famous doing uh, piracy, and then they kind of had to switch over to something else. You know, YouTube uh-huh. got, got a lot of its early traffic because they had movies and clips of movies and clips of Saturday Night Live. Especially oh, the stupid do. Saturday Night Lives. Well, yeah, but they had to take them out and monetize them and set up a deal with NBC for it. So it's not the same. What they did is they got their start with, you know, piracy. At the time, NBC would give them the time of day. They weren't owned by Google or anything either. They were just a website. And it was people saying, oh, this is a good clip. They Somehow they got it recorded off their DVR. They put it on uh, YouTube and it get a shitload of views. I don't know if there were in millions at that point or tens of millions. but Given uh, the quality of them, I don't know if it was DVR. I think a lot of them was VHS. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Some of those uh, SNL things are they they look better now if you watch them because they actually upload the um, the official versions of these shows from the uh, NBC archive. So it's not like the 240p version of this. Yeah, they actually like take the old film, uh, run it through onto onto well, however they do it to transfer from film to. Uh, to digital yeah it's a i think it's a digital photographic process or something where they i think they just photograph the frames i, I presume yeah i'm pretty sure that's it that's mm. another technical research fra- project for us is how do they digitize uh old movies i'm, I'm pretty sure that's what? what they do is they just grab each frame and then they encode those and so you know if there's a machine that just slides the film over one frame and takes a picture that doesn't sound too hard to do yeah and then once you've done that you just run through the film again to grab all the uh Grab all the audio data off them. <laughs> well, you get those in the photo too, don't you? You get the photographic. Uh, do you ever see those the film strips with the audio data is actually in it uh, encoded yeah, on the side? It, but it's I not. It's not a digital encode. It's not like when you're shown in the theater, you have to have it done uh, simultaneously. Yeah. If you're just taking a picture of each of each frame. You can just run through the film again to record the audio dial yeah. later and probably lower cost on that. <sighs> well, nowadays, everything is, uh, I think the, the movies come up on, they get, they arrive at the theater on encrypted hard drives, is my understanding. And there's some kind of uh, key that you get when you sign the license deal with the distributor that lets you unlock the movie and play it. And, and it's, it comes with 
the list of all the ads that are going to run before it and, and all the trailers that are going to play around it and all that crap already built in. Yeah. Oh, well. I had a friend that was a projection uh, technician at one point, and he would talk about that where you well yeah once upon a time you had to set up you know i had to know how to set up the lenses set up the um, borders on the screen so that they uh they fit around the picture in the right way and now everything's kind of programmed in so it just does it there's no no uh craft to it it's just like well you know projection operator was never a super high uh, skill i guess but you know it I, had something to it i've heard it it required it required skill in the past because you'd have to go from one projecting device to the other because you wouldn't have, like, a whole movie on a single reel of film. You'd actually have to switch a few times. Oh, yeah, back in... Uh, like in Fight Club, where they have the cigarette burns in the top... Uh, what they call them in the movie? In the top of the reel that says when it's time to switch it? Yeah. In the yeah. top corner of the, the movie? Yeah, well, uh, they, they had that, like... Right, right through the '90s too. I remember seeing those going to theaters. Huh. I don't ever remember seeing them before you myself. Little, you get the little blip in one of the corners if you're paying attention. I maybe I just missed it. I was too young. I never saw that. I remember having. Uh, I remember thinking at least they were all digital projectors, but I don't. Know. Maybe it was still going on. I didn't notice. No, I don't think digital projection really became a big thing until after 2000. Well, going down the list, I've got an update from last week for a little research yep. project. I got my Spider X Pro, and right now I am looking at my uh, my waveform for the podcast rolling through on a calibrated monitor, which Ooh, is what I so should say. So calibrated now, huh? Yeah, I'm color corrected, or uh, I'm uh, I'm set up so that the big thing that I noticed for the difference is that the reds are different. In fact, uh, some of them look better. And when I went through the process, and I'll describe the process in a minute, um, but at the end of it, I had to give you a bunch of different test photos that you can put on one monitor and, and turn on the correction and turn off the correction really fast and see if it's doing anything. And it, it was doing a lot, to be honest. So I was, I was actually surprised at how out of whack all my monitors were. And, and also... The fact that I could tell they were out of whack just by clicking the color profile on and off. Uh, I thought it looked pretty good before, but now it's, uh, as soon as I saw that, I said, wow, I guess I didn't really know what I was uh, looking at. So <laughs> this, uh, let me grab it real fast. Yeah, it's a little, looks like a webcam kind of thing. And it came in a little box with a USB cord. And it just sits on top of your monitor. It was basically the same thing when I was talking about on the show when I said that I was going to buy it. Um, it. There's a little program it you can download and run, and it uh, sets up a test patch. It actually changes the color of your monitor to a salt lake color. And it steps through a bunch of different shades of red and a bunch of different shades of green, a bunch of different shades of blue, and then it, it has you know a cascade of white to black. And it measures them using this supposedly high quality high fidelity sensor and i don't know what they, what about this uh little device makes it less susceptible to color uh distortions than than my monitor or any other camera that you might be able to buy like, like i don't know why i can't do this with a cell phone uh camera but i don't know i bought the thing the um process was fun 
I mean, it was straightforward. You just run it, and it says what to do, and you step through the wizard. And by the by, the time you're done, it automatic it asks you if you want to, but it automatically sets up the color profile for that monitor, and uh, installs it in Windows and turns it on for you. So you don't need to do any weird driver shit. It just turns it on at the end. So that's fun. Um, the only problem that I had was the <laughs> the cord on it, the little USB cord, wouldn't reach. So I have. Do you know what I mean when I say I have a manga monitor? No. It means I have a monitor that's turned sideways so I can read manga on my computer. So I have one that's a, that's a portrait orientation, one that's a landscape or, orientation. I call one my manga monitor because so it can fit like a full page uh, in portrait orientation. That's what my show notes are on right now. And the problem was it was it's on the opposite corner of the computer than the tower. And because it's a little taller than everything else, the cord, <laughs> in order to mount this on the screen, you're supposed to hang it over from the back of the monitor. And uh, it didn't quite reach, so I had to hold it up there, try not to move while it ran through. But the uh, the other big difference between the calibrated and uncalibrated monitor was the brightness. Um, they had a brightness target that they gave as 90 CD per M squared. And I think it's candelas per meter squared is what the units are yeah, supposed to be. that's what that would be, candelas per square meter. They had a... Um, a target brightness target of 90 and before you start you're supposed to reset your monitor to the factory setting so i went through all the little menus and uh i set it to the factory setting and it it changed one of them by uh oh, what was it it was about 16 candela per meter so it was 16 counts of what i i, I think that's right candela per meter square would be the si units for irradiance uh luminous intensity luminous. according to the book of knowledge aha Candle is a, a SI base unit, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The uh, the candela is the is the measure of luminous intensity. So, candela per square meter is just the SI unit of luminance itself. Okay. Because I think the candle is defined. Ah, we're gonna go to the metric system thing. I think it's defined in unit in uh, over four, four pi stradians. So it's like over a whole sphere. But I don't know. That's ancient knowledge it is, doesn't uh, doesn't affect my day-to-day -day life so i don't think about it but yeah uh, this was fun uh and when i was poking around my monitor settings i found out so i have two dell monitors and one of them is an eco monitor i'm still not sure what eco monitor means uh it's somehow saves the environment and uh it actually tells you over the life of the monitor it has like a little uh meter that tracks how much carbon you saved by running this monitor, I suppose, instead of some other monitor, is the idea. And so I would like you to know that... What's my number? I save 481 kilograms of carbon. Oh, wonderful. So I'm not sure what I can do with that. I'm not sure how I spend that somewhere. Where do I get my... Do I go to Dell and I say, hey, where's my 481 kilograms? <laughs> Apparently I've saved them. Give me my carbon! I've saved them, so... I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny, but they put a whole they put a whole screen in the monitor for it. So if you turn it on, oh, well, I turned off my screen. Yeah. So I didn't know how to make heads or tails of that. I'm not not sure if it does anything different. It sure puts out the same amount of power as the monitor next to it now. So I'm not. Maybe it's just more efficient about it. Who knows? At least the same amount of light power gets emitted by it. Oh well, that's my wrap up. I had a little bit for it. Research complete. Woo! Hey, how'd I get here? My StarCraft jingle's in there. 
Yeah, I was picking uh, I was picking through sound files looking for clips, and I found the Once Upon a Time Blizzard had for StarCraft a uh, little application that you could download that extracted the wave files from the uh, the installed StarCraft data. So uh, all the sound data when you install StarCraft on a Windows computer is packaged up in some proprietary format so that the game can unpack it. And, you know, is lo load the sounds when it needs it and play them. Um, this is from a bygone era. No one's doing anything like this anymore, especially not Blizzard. But they actually gave you a tool you could download that would extract the sound data and save it as a, a, a wave file for all the sounds in the game. So you could basically rip it. They gave you a tool to rip their own assets out of the game. Nice. Yeah, yeah they definitely wouldn't do that these days. No. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. I got the little civilian. Hey, how'd I get here? There's some other ones in there, too. Maybe I'll throw some more StarCraft stuff in... Uh, but I heard, uh, we, of course, we have to talk about maps with Matt, maps with Matt, and uh, he mentioned. Uh, I I just remembered this. He mentioned StarCraft. Uh, I think when he was talking on Hog Story, and it got me thinking. I wonder if he ever made maps in StarCraft with the map editor. Do you ever do that? Like no. map editors for. I uh, did. I was more of a uh, I was more of a CNC person myself. Uh -huh. I did I did try my hand at making some red alert maps. They weren't any good, but I did that. <laughs> really, when it came to when it came to making maps for games, uh, Doom Wads were where it was at for me. Doom Wads. My God, <laughs> that's something we need to talk about. Uh, Doom Wads. There was um there were some horror wads that I used to play with uh with some friends. Oh, what the hell were they called? Uh, they were like conceptually they were basically jump scares, uh, but they were incredibly fun to play like in a, in a basement at midnight. Uh, what was it? No, but yeah, Doom had the same thing where you could do a total conversion and you could save it all up in one file and you could change all the sprites and the sounds and uh, have your own maps and stuff. Did you do anything fun with it or? Or, or let me Mostly ask. Mostly, I was just trying to make like uh, space bases and spaceships. So, so let me ask you this: What's fill the most? With, just build them up with demons. What's the most esoteric doom wad that you could think of, or random pointless doom wad? We can go with that too. Nuts. Nuts. Now, what's nuts? I've never heard of nuts. You you have to look it up to to understand it. Nuts. Nuts for doom wad. Doomworld.com. I see a apocalyptic red field, or I suppose that's the surface of Mars, and uh, just a bunch of demons on it. How yeah, to complete it's, nuts. It's a joke wad. <laughs> oh, there's only a few monsters in it. <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a, all across the horizon as far as you can render in the game is just demons. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Utterly, utterly pointless, <laughs> but uh, eminently just, enjoyable. There's like a hundred cyber demons. <laughs> the trick is having a computer powerful enough that it will actually run at more than one frame a second. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Yeah, one they, of the most interesting wads, though, that I ever saw was based on, I believe it was Christ College. Christ College? Yeah. At Cambridge. Okay. What was... It was based on it? Or the map was just based on the, the architecture? 
I yeah, don't, I don't think I've less. ever been there. I've been to Cambridge, but I don't remember Christ College. Sorry, Trinity College. Trinity College. The map name is the Unholy Trilogy. Uh, or Unholy Trinity. I'm at College Green somewhere in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, you're way out of place. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I got... Apple Maps has failed me. Yeah. Why am I on Apple Maps anyway? That's the bigger question. I presume you mean Cambridge, like, across the, uh, the river in Boston. No, I mean Cambridge, England. Cambridge, England. Well, I've never been to that Cambridge, so... So what is it? It's just, uh, the architecture of the area? Yeah, it was based on... It was based on the architecture at... At Trinity College hmm. in Cambridge. I wish I could remember the name of that horror one for the show notes. Um, oh, it sounds like a thunderstorm. That does. That's on my end. Oh, geez, we might have to wrap up sometime. Hey, Hurricane Laura didn't really... He was the rat show starting. Are they starting early? I thought he didn't start for a little bit later. No, it's because... Often enough, his episodes seem to start with a peal of thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe he is starting early. That was the thunder. Yeah. It's a little far from me, though. I could get to New York, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a four-hour drive from where I am. Yeah, it's like uh, eight hours to New Hampshire, four hours to New York. So yeah, wanna... easier to just pop open Twitch and watch him uh, when he does his show. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was one other thing that I did wanna I did wanna bring up for oh, sure. tonight, and that's a Joe Rogan experience. J R E. Yeah, indeed. So, so he is now on Spotify. Mm-hmm. But a number of his episodes are missing from Spotify. Yeah, I've heard about this. The inter- yes, the internet has been all a buzz about it since yesterday morning. So a number of episodes considered controversial in the most case, but also including ones that you think would be fine, like his interview with Tommy Chong, are still on YouTube, but they're not on Spotify at all. Hmm. And people people were freaking out. A bunch of people were contacting uh, Alex Jones because his his episode, episode 911, where... Where, uh, where Joe got him a high and they were talking about, like, aliens and other experiences and all of that. Right? <laughs> you must have seen clips from that one. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was episode 9... It was 911? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. I didn't know that. 11. <laughs> he had episode 911, yeah, Alex. That's, that's perfect. But anyway, so, like, people were texting him and stuff while he was trying to sleep. And in the morning, he actually called Joe up. And so the word is that these episodes in particular had technical issues that were preventing Spotify from getting them up at the same time as the rest of them, but they will be up eventually, Mm. and they will probably not be removed from YouTube, at least not until after they're on Spotify, if it takes longer than December 1st. Now, the other thing is, he said that Joe told him that He's going to be on an episode again pretty soon anyways. Woo. I mean, Joe's now in Austin as well, right? Uh, it and, sounds like uh, it. Uh, today, I believe Adam Curry is actually recording a show with Joe. Mm. He's, at, at Joe's new studio, too. That's something to, that so, I'm looking forward to, by the way. 
yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hear about that. I think on uh, on tomorrow's no agenda. Mm-hmm. But yeah, another episode of JRE with Adam Curry. So of course we're all gonna be downloading that or ripping it. However we can get it out of Spotify, because I'm I'm betting that I'm betting that the podcasts on Spotify are still encrypted with their DRM crap and everything. Yeah, I'm. I've sort of resolved that, uh, well, since I don't subscribe to Spotify um, for various reasons, uh, I'm not going to be able to listen to a show. I'm also not willing to listen to a podcast that doesn't have an RSS. Um, yeah. And, and that has more to do with me being lazy than, than taking some sort of stand for liberty. It's more like, if it doesn't show up in my app, I'm not going to watch it. The uh, The... Terminate the. What's going to happen is I'm I'm just going to end up not listening to a show anymore. I think is what's going to happen. So Jerry is sunsetting for me. Whenever he pulls the plug, I don't think I'm going to be following him. So I'm not it, even sure if the new episodes are going to be going on YouTube. I think they're just the ones that are on YouTube are staying there until December first, which is when he's completely exclusive. Yep. So if there's any episodes that you really enjoyed, now's the time to download them off of YouTube while you can. <laughs> I'm down to just below two terabytes, by the way. Uh, I'm trying to avoid getting more files, so I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna not squirrel away things. And uh, if JR, if Joe Rogan sunsets for me, you know that's fine. You know, I'm you not need... gonna lose sleep over it, and I'm not gonna archive his entire show because it might go to Spotify. You know what you need? What do I need? You need a filing cabinet full of hard drives. <laughs> that's, that's the opposite of what so I need. <laughs> Yeah, I miss the days, though, for podcasts. Now everyone has a deal. You know, it used to be a bunch of people in a basement. You know, uh, when I started listening to podcasts, it was like just randos, and they weren't broadcast professionals even. I mean, I guess Adam Curry was the only one, but I was I didn't even listen to Adam Curry when he, when he was doing his show. I was listening to other random shit that was... Uh, I mentioned uh, to you the other day we had a, Otaku Generation was one of the old ones, and that was just guys in a basement talking about anime that's kind of uh what got me into podcasting too and, and it's been in the back of my mind now that we're doing this show too talking about anime yeah oh well yeah that episode i was mentioning where where darren o'neill was on for abs in a sick pack oh yeah he actually he actually joined in late in the episode and the primary guests for it were actually tom starkweather and nick the rat oh really but they were they were covering the uh they were covering the jre spotify censored ep- episode thing on that as well mm. so unfortunately the episode's not online yet or otherwise i'd have a link to it in the show notes i saw i saw the uh that nick was going to be on it and uh, i also saw he has a show with illuminati now uh Oh, what's it called? Um, it's like Umpas or something like that. It's a uh, origin of these things. Have, I have heard seen something that? about that, but I haven't seen it or really heard it yet. Yeah, it's uh doesn't have an RSS yet. So I I actually oh, told funny. I told him get an RSS or I, I asked him for the link. They said it's coming exist. soon. So no RSS feed. It doesn't exist. No, yes, yeah, that's how I feel about it too. What kind <laughs> of deviant sicko do you take me for? downloaded stuff on youtube no way no way what is this garbage but you put it that way then actually no joe does have an rss feed on his site but 
God knows how long that's going to last. Oh, no, that's how I listen to his show now, is Joe Rogan has an RSS feed. Mm-hmm. If that goes but off... So long. I, I don't watch his YouTube channel. Um, I don't see video... I've never seen a video of any of his uh, episodes. I only watch... I only listen to the uh, the podcast version. I think episode 911 is one where it's... At- it might actually be worth watching the video. Oh uh, yeah, I've I've seen that, and I've seen the the stills from the Elon Musk one too. Yeah, that's Ooh. another one where you want to have the video. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, like the one where Adam was on, I just listened to it. I just had like YouTube in a tab, and uh, other tabs I was actually using in the browser. Mm. Well, I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Is there anything else you want to bring up before we go? No, it actually covered a bit more than I thought. Oh, you wanted to say something about uh, about Shinzo Abe retiring, didn't you? Oh yeah, jeez. Well, you that, said I, I wanted to get, but more sounds more like retirement. I mean, he's quitting because he's sick, right? Well, yeah, it said his. He's saying his ulcer got worse. Um, I, I was gonna go in. I don't. Maybe we'll push that to the next show. I wanted to talk yeah. about. With the Olympics and with Shinzo Abe, it's it's like there's been a suspicion that between a couple of different uh, things going on in Japan that, that there might be changes coming to the anime industry. And so that's the angle I was going to go for, but I'm not sure we have time to go into it now. I want to... Yeah, that sounds like something we definitely want to spend some time on. Yeah. That's a fun so topic. We'll get pushed to next episode. And especially because in, in the, the main thing to think about is that the Olympics are rescheduled too. And so we thought that the Olympics were going to be you know, annoying because uh, they're, you know, for example, when was it Korea? Was it, uh, the, I think it was the Beijing Olympics. They went through and they, they tried to change their um, perception of, uh, you know how everything was so it's like they shut down restaurants that serve dog and they did a bunch of things just when the olympics were there and there's been a suspicion that something like that might happen in japan where it's like oh we got to clean up our image so you can't do this can't have this on tv and you know and they'll start pulling night they'll start nice boating has been pushing that stuff since like 2016 2017 they're gonna start nice boating uh shows because they don't fit with the uh oh i think we might have to wrap up no, well, let's see. Yeah. My recorder's come definitely, to a line on the screen, and I, I don't know if it's going to keep whoop. recording after that. Well, it looks like it is. Yeah. Definitely, let's talk more about that next week, though, because, yeah, this sounds like it's, this sounds like it could be a big thing we're definitely going to want to spend some time on. Indeed. Well, uh, in that case, uh, this has been Rear Encounter 8. I'm uh, Abel Kirby. I'm Cold Acid. What is this garbage? Catch you later.